Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to Across the Arts with Patrick D. McCoy, the African-American voice and classical music. And welcome to this reboot of this very special broadcast dedicated to classical music and the performing arts. I'm so glad to be back with you this evening with a very special guest, a jubilee, an interview with Washington Performing Arts with Michelle Fallon. Michelle serves as music director of the Washington Performing Arts Society's Children of the Gospel. She attended Howard University and earned her bachelor's and master's degree in vocal performance and pedagogy with the piano minor. While at Howard, she studied with renowned opera singers Regina McConnell, Carmen Balthrop, and the late Charlotte Holloman. Under the tutelage of Dr. James Weldon Norris, she was introduced to conducting. And I could go on and on and on about these accomplishments which you see before you. And just a second, I'm going to let Michelle Fallon uh, talk to you about these accomplishments. But it is so wonderful to be on the air with you. And she's going to drop in right now to talk to us about this special Silver Jubilee concert at the Music Center at Strathmore on this Friday, June 2nd, celebrating the 50th anniversary of Washington Performing Arts. Hi, Michelle. Michelle? Can you hear me? I'm here. We got got cut off. Hello there. Hi, how is everybody? How are you? How are you feeling? Feeling great. Michelle, talk to us about the special concert on second this Friday, actually, at the Music Center at Strathmore, featuring your wonderful children of the gospel. Well, you can uh, imagine that we are very excited. I heard your introduction. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm grateful for that. And also what I wanted to tag on was not only is it Washington Performing Arts' 50th anniversary, but we're also celebrating 25 years for the choir's existence, the gospel music program at Washington Performing Arts, which is phenomenal. So uh, we have uh, appropriately entitled it it Renewal, uh, uh, Silver Jubilee. We want people to be able to come out and to feel just that, the spirit of renewment, of encouragement, of, um, you know, whatever it is that they're seeking emotionally, spiritually, um, physically even, you know, gospel music is incredible. Music in general, I don't just want to leave it into that category of just gospel, but gospel has its own power and anointing on it um, that's special to it, but it's a healer. Uh, mind, body, spirit, and so we just want to bring a little bit of hope and love to this world that is different, to say the least, today, and so that people would be able to get excited and um, ready to do something new uh, to help make what we're doing better, make this world, make our lives 
better. I am excited, and I'm very excited at the fact that this concert of gospel music will take place at the Music Center of Strathmore, one of our area's most breathtaking yeah. concert halls and concert stages. Yeah. You know, many people, when they first hear gospel or their first exposure to gospel was perhaps in a church setting, and not to diminish mm-hmm. that whatsoever, but I want, to, want you to just go a little bit further and talk about the role or the presence of a gospel music performances in the concert hall and what that means to you. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people, um, because they're so, when they hear the word gospel, immediately they equate it to the church. And for whatever reason, uh, for those who have never really been exposed, um, they kind of resist in um becoming exposed to the music because they might think that somebody is coming at them to preach to them uh, about religious belief. And really what's so awesome about gospel music, although, yes, its beginnings came right out of the church, it has taken on a great transformation. And um, this is why... I, as a director, I, as an arranger, as a singer, am excited that we are starting to open up the doors of major concert halls to bring this art form to the public arena so that they can really hear it and know that it encompasses jazz and the blues and classical music. We have composers like Richard Smallwood and Kurt Carr who are um, writing, um, combining, using um, gospel music and um, classical or other genres of music uh, to be more expressive. And what has happened, it has completely enlarged and transformed the sound. Not that you still don't have um, you know, the traditional sounds in it. But now you have a lot of choirs who are branching out and um, the, the jazz chords that they are creating. And, um, you know, it's just, it's just a different taste. So the exposure of it or the presence of it coming at Kennedy Center and the Strathmore is so significant because we want to keep this music alive so people just don't think it's just church. Now, the message of gospel music isn't changing. The message mm. is still, you know, God is love, God is light, God is Savior. And um, we can say that in all kinds of ways, but <clears throat> that that is the core that we are trying to get across, that God is love. Um, so I'm excited that the Strathmore and Kennedy Center and um, even, you know, Kathleen Battle, as she got up there back at the Met singing opera, spirituals are coming directly um, related with gospel music. That's where gospel music has its foundation. And so she brought so many different elements um, of gospel when she did her um, spiritual concert to the Carnegie Hall. So that was awesome. I guess that that was the first time that Hall has experienced that music. Um, in that magnitude, 
I should say. It's in that funny, it's funny yeah. that you brought that up because I was going to uh, harken back to the spirituals in concert with Kathy Battle or Kathleen Battle and Jesse Norman. And most yeah. people uh, take for granted that Evelyn Simpson Curitan is the featured organist in that recording, and many of her arrangements are featured. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, she has, uh, hasn't she served as like a guest artist or past director of the Children of the Gospel or Wild? Oh, Woman? yeah. Yeah, Evelyn used to um, work with COTG in um, the mid-late 90s and into 2000, and we um, tried to make sure we do quite a bit of her arrangements and pieces that are out there because they're just phenomenal. And we don't get to um, expose, you know, if I, if I may branch, a lot of the female composers who are there, especially in um, gospel music, I mean, all throughout different um, genres. But in gospel music, so many have written great pieces or arranged great pieces. So I'm happy that she's a, right here in the D.C. area. I get to speak to her whenever need be, and we get to perform her music. So, And it's awesome. And she gets to come in and work with the students and work with the adults um, if need be. And so, I, you know, I love and appreciate that level of access that we can have to um, awesome talent. That is just amazing. And when you mentioned the comment yeah. about women composers, that made me also think back uh, to another issue, or really not an issue, but maybe a topic in music. We always celebrate, you know, you know, male conductors, uh, orchestral mm-hmm. conductors, conductors, you know, people, you know, chamber ensembles and things like that. But even though we have a few women composers, I mean, I'm sorry, not few women composers, few women um, conductors, and we have a lot of conductors in like maybe choral groups and things like that, but it's right. not often see the, the the major maestras like um Marin Alsup or Eve Weller. Yeah. Where do you see your place as an African American conductor? And I say conductor, I know sometimes people might say conduct you know, directress or things like right. that. But how do you see yourself in the role on a major stage as a conductor? Well um, a female that, conductor. That's funny. That's funny that you ask because I say this all the time when I go backstage to the Kennedy Center um, and I look at all the pictures of the um, maestros that are on the wall, I don't see any women who are present, (laughs) right? And so I always say one day my picture will be there too. And uh, yeah, you know, you do have to claim these be so, and I believe that it will be so. Um, and there are just, uh, there are so many of us, I think because the conducting field has always been predominantly men, that um, it's just another area where women have to fight their way through to be recognized, to be respected. I don't think that there is necessarily a lack of respect for women's musicianship to who they are, but to handle the role. It's just always, for whatever reason, been placed as a masculine, male-dominated area. And so I would like to change the face of that, especially being uh, an African-American woman, 
Um, then, you know, it's almost like what we consider two strikes. But I don't think of it as strikes. I think uh, of those as that those are my um, those are my talking cards. Those those are the um, those are the diamonds that I'm I'm holding. Those are the priceless gems that I am a minority in it all. I'm a woman and I'm African American. So um, in order for me to get to a place where I am recognized and respected for being a conductor, I'm just working my tail off to be the greatest at it, excellence at all costs, at all costs. Mm -hmm. It's funny because I was also speaking to the kids tonight about um, um, part of being excellent is not just when you hit the stage. Your excellence starts in the practice room. It starts in your bedroom. It starts in preparation. You practice what it is you're going to bring out there because once you hit to the stage, you're already too late. So everything has to, there has to be a great amount of follow-through um, for you. And the follow-through is, it, it, it starts in, in that personal, um, private room of yours. And you look at yourself in the mirror, and you do what it is you see yourself doing on stage from right then. So um, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm just trying to build this where other young women too, other young ladies can look and say, oh, it's possible. Just like we said so many times for um, Obama, oh my God, it's possible. This can happen. And I, I want them to know that and believe it. And even though they might not see a lot of us, it's real and it can happen. That, that is just going to bring me to my next point. Oh, my goodness, this conversation is just flowing so naturally because, you know, I just always admire the diversity that Washington Performing Arts presents. Yeah. You know, the founder, Patrick Hayes, I mean, he was an impresario, and he was one that really brought world-class artists, particularly artists of color, Jesse Norman, Kathleen Ballard, mm-hmm. some of their first mm-hmm. Washington performances. And then the torch was carried on by Douglas Wheeler. And then moving in that triumvirate, of just artistic excellence. You have powerhouse woman, Jenny yeah. Bidfield. Talk to me about yeah. working with uh, Jenny Bidfield, a, a two powerful women together, just bringing artistic excellence to Washington. Well, you know, I, I tell Jenny um, often and always, whether it's in person, through email, on Facebook, um, that she is transforming the face of the arts world in D.C. And um, that's crucial. I mean, we live in an area um, that so much is changing. And so we have to keep up with the time. Unfortunately, I feel that classical music in general is in such a place that um, a lot of people are not really going out like they used to, to operas, to just hear classical music. They want something fresh and something new. They want to see uh, some innovative performances happening. And that's what I love about working with Jenny is that she's open. She's open-minded and she gets it. You know, um, a, a lot of people don't necessarily get it. Or they're afraid to make change. Uh, none of us like change. Um, but I had a professor who told me one time, change is inevitable, growth is optional. 
And so Jenny is neither afraid to make change or to grow. And so I love sitting back and watching her. I tell her all the time that I'm watching. I'm watching because I'm learning too. Um, you know, as a musician, the, the flip side that so many of us do not tend to do is understand the administrative workings of the arts. And if you've got two things going, you're not just a phenomenal musician um, in whatever respect that might be, a conductor, a singer, a composer. You know, you're not only that, but you understand administratively how to um, build a program. You understand how to um, handle and grow the finances of your program. You understand how to reach your audience with because relationship is very, very essential to being successful in the arts. And because people don't want to deal with um, fake artists, you you know, if we go to um, um, concerts and we get shrugged by artists, we we might change our mind on how mm. we feel about that particular person, and so they want to know that there's a a real level of connection that's there. She's accessible. I love that, too. There's, like, you know, um, it's not that staunchness with uh, so many other CEOs and presidents that I have met and, and I'm, frankly, in connection with. You know, it's real, and I think that that's what is bringing such um, great change to the organization itself as well as to the DMV area. And so I'm just learning. I'm soaking in everything I can, and I'm watching, and I'm growing, and, um, you know, I'm just excited to continue working with her. I want big, 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 better. (laughs) Now, you know I can't let you get away with mentioning the word president without me asking how was it where you conducted your choir at Washington National Cathedral in the midst of former President Barack Obama and former First Lady Michelle Obama. Well, I should say President I, and Miss Obama because they were that where you did it. <laughs> that, right, right, right. <laughs> right, right, right. You know, um, um, really still thinking about it, it's, I'm speechless because um, – uh, I'm speechless. I'm I'm humbled by it. There's so many people who um, really could have very well been in that same spot, and so I, I am grateful for the opportunities that have been afforded to me through Washington Performing Arts to represent them and with my awesome group, Children of the Gospel. You know, I say my, I take it personally because, um, you know, they are a part of me. And what I do and what I'm thinking and moving, how I create, they're in the forefront of a lot of that. And so um, I hope they don't mind me using that um, personalized pronoun there, my, when I say that. But it was just... It was really quite surreal, and I still, I'm just, you know, in a place where I think about all of the opportunities. There were so many that had come um, from that 
uh, to deal with uh, President and First Lady Obama even more after um, that particular performance. And so I'm grateful, too, that they loved what they heard, that they continued to call us back so often. That was a blessing as well. Yeah, just, you know, I, you know, it's just, I tell you so many times that, um, you know, the kids, we say to them, you know, you all, um, you all are just, it's an awesome experience that um, you are afforded all of these opportunities, but really, myself too, you know, it's, uh, you know, I'm just elated that so many different places and people um, that we have connected to and that we're able to share this gift of music. It is a gift. Every time I step on stage, to me, I tell the kids, you know, you're sharing a part of what God has poured into you. Mm. And so we're giving it back to him, no matter where we go, if it's in front of a president, if it's inside of somebody's church, every time we step on stage, this is what we are giving back to the creator who has poured a morsel of his gift into us. And that, to me, we're fortunate. We're blessed. Yes, we are. Now, let's move a little bit more deeply into uh, the concert, would you mind sharing a little bit about uh, the two world, I'm, I'm not sure if it's two, but talk to you about the world premiere pieces that you would, um, particularly by uh, Toshi Reagan and your colleague Stanley Thurston. Okay, so um, Toshi was commissioned to write a piece that was actually in celebration of uh, Jenny Billfield's 50th. Um, birthday. And so um, the piece is about water and um, the water in this particular vicinity, D.C. But as well, um, you know, we've been into a place in the country where we've um, been experiencing, and I, I say that not that it hasn't existed, but it has been brought to light all the more um, people in the country who've been experiencing some deep water crises, uh, Flint, Michigan. And um, I think we have to speak on environmentally what happens as, as well to us. As artists, it's a part of our responsibility. That is what, to me, our voice um, as an artist, not that we have to be, you know, politically gung-ho, um, but we have to be politically conscious and we have to be socially conscious and, um, or economically, because you name it, we just have to be conscious and then to um, speak on what it is we see. So Toshi's piece um, deals with the issues of water and um, how we need to um, make some resolutions and, and to recognize it. And Stanley's piece deals more on the spiritual end called um, a dwelling place. And he pulls um, his four movements, and that one was written for Children of the Gospel. He pulls his four movements um, from the Psalms. And um, on the second movement, it's featuring one of our alumni, Anise Murillo, who Stanley had um, dedicated that movement 
to her. Uh, and again, here we have this phenomenal composer, conductor who has um, utilized all genres from jazz to gospel. He's just infusing them all. Um, uh, there's a bit of classical in there. So, you know, I, I, I'd love, once again, it goes back to here we are taking this music to the main stage so that we can let people hear that it is a sophisticated and beautiful art form with such deep history to it. That brings me to a perfect point. You know, sometimes people will think that because it's gospel or it appears to be extemporaneous and all of that, that it doesn't have any form or structure. So could mm-hmm. you just really kind of bring it home about the the hard work and musicianship that is required to pull off this music, you know, in a, even in a concert, I mean, even in a church setting, but in particular in the concert setting? Yeah, you know, because in the in the concert setting, uh, you're you're met with a a mental level of um, expectation. Uh, you know, uh, so what I mean is, in the church, in gospel music, Let them I hate use to you. put it like this, huh? What'd you say? Let them use you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> In the church, we have a tendency to um, to let certain things go, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, let's be real. We're um, oftentimes we will say, you know, okay, well, God will bless this, and there has been a lack of preparation, practice, commitment to understanding the music. The text, all of that is still part of it. Then when we get to the concert hall, we still we have a, a mental expectation that oh, this needs to be much better. Mm. So um, it it puts us in a place where now we begin to practice. Now we start to make sure that we are really hearing um, proper progressions or the rhythm is together, or um, the choir enunciates better because there's a level of perfection that we are trying to attain because we are stepping onto a main stage hall, right? So mm. that's my take as just a as a um, musician, one who was raised in the church and who sees the differences. But the truth is, um, I also know church musicians and have been to a plethora of churches where there are um, the musicians and the choir members who act as if in church it is the main stage, that they come with um, a, just a level of excellence because they also understand that in this music that first and foremost it is not about them. It's from a spiritual context. It is about God and that they are... There's a message. So when you when you sing songs and you are delivering church main stage, the lyrics have to be so much of a testimony that when you stand, people can understand what your journey was, or they can get a glimpse to understand that when you sing, you know, trials come my way. Mm-hmm. And all you have to sing 
are those words, but you sing it in such a way that it emanates from your core that people feel. And see, I have watched so many times, even um, on, on main stage with gospel and watching and listening to soloists and people who were not exposed, and they sung a little phrase and the tears that just started to pour down from people's faces because they were in connection with the spirit. This music is not as easy as people think because it has transformed so much. So the good thing, Patrick, um, of what I'm recognizing is many of our musicians are starting to um, theoretically put music into practice. You know, in the church, um, back in the day, it was all about the ear. Now we have the musicians who are not only, because it's still about the ear, but they're also now about chord changes. So they're understanding their scales. They're understanding not necessarily how to read, but I, I wish they would, but they understand progression. And so they're actually working together and, and um, practicing and shedding on just being more tight-knit in their sound and how they're moving from chord to chord. We call that sometimes doing praise breaks. So it's not as simple as people would think. It's an intricate sound because it's just more developed. It's more diverse. And, um, you know, it's not light anymore. Not that it's heavy, but um, it's definitely um, taken on a different a different tonality to it, which um, we hope would draw many other people to hear and want to experience. Now, even even though we're we're speaking with you, or I'm speaking rather with you, in the context of you being a conductor um, of the children of the gospel, you've been tapping back into your solo voice as a recitalist yourself. Talk to me about how you, you balance your, your career as a solo artist uh, versus, you know, conducting uh, the choir. I'm tired. That's the balance. <laughs> 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 oh, gosh. I don't know. I mean, really and truly, honestly, I am trying to find that place of balance. Um, you know, uh, I, I, I try to say things because I never wanted to sound conceited, but, um, you know, I have been, I've been blessed and that's not conceited. I tell the world that I have been blessed and I am grateful to God for that, that inside this music, he has blessed me with the ability to sing, to conduct, to play the piano to write music, and to, um, for all of those giftings, to be very good at them and working towards greatness at them all. And so I'm trying to, you know, I used to say to myself for a long time, well, God, is there one particular area you want me to focus on in this music? And he always came back with no. And so now I'm just, I'm really trying to find that place of balance because I'm always busy. Thank you, God. Keep it coming. And 
I want to stay that way because this is what I enjoy. I love it. So even though now I'm exhausted um, and my kids have been eating for the last two weeks a whole lot of carryout, uh, you know, in this thick of it, but, you know, it's temporary. All of that is temporary, and it always pays off because I am doing what I've been called to do. So once I find a level of balance, um, I'll call you back about that. <laughs> right now, right now, it's just, you know, I need, I need to get somebody to help me, um, you know, balance my calendar. And if I could have somebody do do that, oh, my goodness, <laughs> that would help a lot. So y'all come in. <laughs> <laughs> well, Michelle, it has been a joy and a pleasure to have you on the air this evening. This conversation actually is long overdue, and I'm so thankful to have you on talking about your career and your work with the Washington Performing Arts Children of the Gospel. I just want to recap. Uh, a couple of things very quickly for our listeners. Please join Washington Former Arts Children of the Gospel, actually the men, women, and children of the gospel, on this Friday, June 2nd, at the Music yes. Center at Strathmore. That, that concert starts at 8 o'clock p.m., and if you want more information, visit Strathmore, S-T-R-A-T-H-M-O-R-E.org and go to the calendar and you'll find all of the details about this magnificent concert celebrating the silver anniversary of the gospel choirs and the 50th anniversary of Washington Performing Arts. We are so thankful. Thank you so much, uh, Michelle, for sharing this wonderful occasion with us. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And listen, if I can just shout out to you all, need to go on to WashingtonPerformingArts.org as well because um, well, that's a way for uh, your listeners to get tickets, to see what the organization is all about, to even prepare for the 2017-18 season because it's going to be great. It's going to be great. Check out all of these upcoming new artists who are out there and um, some, you know, just great musicians, great music coming to this area. So check us out, WashingtonPerformingArts.org. Speaking of new artists, um, yeah. when I got the flyer, there were so many artists on there, but one artist that stuck out to me, I was so happy and proud to see this lavish spread of her was Dr. Chelsea Green. Yeah, yeah. Working so hard and to open that to see such a, 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 a academic and also a wonderful performer because Chelsea just finished her doctorate at the University of Maryland College Park. Right. And so it was a pleasure just to see that kind of fresh face on classical yes. music. That's what I mean, the Green Project. Yes, right? indeed. Uh, yes, so, yeah, and it's coming 2017-18 season. And, um, you know, this is, this is what I'm saying that I love so much that, that you are going to get a mixture of it all with us at Washington Performing Arts. You couldn't ask for more. Check us out. Check it out. That's, <laughs> that's going to be a dynamic concert. Thank you so much, Patrick. I so appreciate Thank you. you. And yes, it's been long overdue. 
Thank you. Again, this has been Across the Arts with Patrick B. McCoy, the African-American voice of classical music. We've been chatting with Michelle Fallon, conductor of the Children of the Gospel. Make sure you check them out on this Friday, June 2nd at 8 o'clock p.m. at the Music Center at Strathmore. Again, this has been Patrick B. McCoy, the African-American voice of classical music, and thank you for joining us. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.